you know, I kind of had a good here. Go with me a bit. Let's kick off the story. Jonah chapter 1. I'm going to read. I'm not going to read all of it. I'm just going to read these three verses. This is how it kicks off. This is where we start. The Lord gave this message to Jonah, son of Amity. Get up. Go to the great city of Nineveh. Announce my judgment against it because I've seen how wicked its people are. But Jonah got up and went in the opposite direction of the Lord. We, I'm not only here to teach you stuff. I'm teaching, going to try and teach you how to learn. Okay, um, We could preach for a lifetime on that. Like just that. That's all we need. That's, that's going to create success in our life following Jesus. What can we learn? Someone tell me something. God's, God still speaks. God gave this message. What do we presume? God still speaks. It's a message for someone today who feels they can't hear from God. Get up and go to the great city of Nineveh. God calls a city that is so devastating and horrible and destructive and far from God, a great city. God sees hope where Jonah didn't. God sees hope in the hopeless. I reckon that's, we're going to get more into that um, a bit later. God called it a great city, but God noticed their evil. You know, I'm sick of stuff around that where people don't call bad things bad things. Oh, it's all right. Jesus is this nice, loving, hippie guy. Everything's cool. Grace of God. It's all good. Love, mercy. God says, I'm going to destroy you unless you turn around. I feel like that's my message for me. Um, I don't think he's going to destroy me. But I think he wants to turn some parts of my life around. We confuse. I think sometimes we, we separate I feel like sometimes we separate Jesus of the New Testament with God of the Old Testament. Jesus is so, so compassionate towards people. We even look at the last chapter of this book and say that God is so compassionate. And yet God says at the front end in the third verse, announce my judgment upon it because I see how wicked its people are. He noticed how wicked they were. hope I don't get on god's radar for that so after this after this god says go that way uh go right jonah goes left and he gets on a ship jumps on this ship and he pays the guys he goes oh, i want to go to spain because i heard the wine and dancing's good over there so let's go over there and uh and he does he gets on the ship he, he the ship's going along it's taking to him his destination and a big storm comes up. Like we're talking better than George Clooney, perfect storm stuff. We're talking, we're talking like outrageous. And we're talking old school boats too, all right? So it's probably like three foot swell or something. Um, but he's going and it's going crazy. And Jonah falls asleep. I don't know how he falls asleep in a storm. You ever tried sleeping on a boat when it's rocking? Yeah, yeah I was doing that. Hey, with my uncle fishing. And, and literally like I'd be in the front and we'd go over a wave and I'd wake up. And like, because the boat dropped over the other side of the wave, I'm like, I'd wake up in midair and I'd be like, I feel weightless. Bang! And I'd hit the deck again. I'd be like, whoa, that's crazy. It's pretty good fun. Um, Jonah's asleep and they said, wake up, Jonah. We're all going to die. What's happening? And Jonah goes, it's my fault. Um, I, God told me to go somewhere. I said I didn't want to. And the storm's here as God's judgment on me. 
Um, they're like, right, well, what do we do about it? He goes, well, throw me over. <laughs> people are hating on Jonah, and Jonah's sacrificing his life for the life of the people on his ship, okay? He's trying to, he's trying to help a bit. Um, they toss him over, and God calls a big fish to come up uh, and swallow him. Some people think it's a whale, fish, whale. I don't know, I've seen some pretty big cod around, okay? Yeah, like big cod. And um, so whatever it was, it's a big um, thing that lives in the oceans come and swallow Jonah. Um, and then he prays to God, says, God, I'm sorry. Um, and the fish spit him out on the beach and uh, he did what God said. But we're just going to watch a little video. So Riley, if we can drop these front lights out and watch this video just to kind of catch us up. assignment. I'm sending you to Nineveh. Caution is necessary. You will not find a more wretched hive of scum and villainy. There's no way I'm going there. I've got to get out of here while I still can. Sir, Jonah has not arrived in Nineveh. We fear he has gone AWOL. Storm. We're taking heavy damage. Also, it appears that space militia craft are approaching quickly. Yeah, it doesn't make sense. The storm didn't show up on any of our radars. And what does Yami want with us? Captain, this is my fault. What? Who are you? Where did you come from? My name is Juna, First Lieutenant, Space Militia. I fled my mission and abandoned my battalion. I request you put me into a life vessel and eject me from the craft. You have done nothing wrong. What have I done? Could this get any worse? I think it just got worse. One of the questions, I guess, is why did Jonah decide to go... Awesome, Riley, thanks. Why did Jonah decide to go the other direction? Well, I'm not Jonah. Get to heaven and ask him yourself. We can guess. There's a few things. Um, Maybe Jonah liked a bit of good old-fashioned revenge. Um, In Nineveh, they were capturing and torturing his fellow countrymen. Why am I going to go tell him about God? I want them to die. You know, he's like, well, no, they're capturing in the, the people I love and killing and torturing them. Um, no, God, I don't, I don't want to. Um, has anyone seen the movie Braveheart? Yeah, Braveheart, bit gory for the youngsters. But, um, you know, it's at that last scene where he's tortured, you know, that's Nineveh. You know, they're, they're, they're ripping out people's intestines while they're still alive. Um, if they don't die, they, they tie each limb to a different horse and pull you in different directions, okay? That's Nineveh, and that's the G-rated version, okay, of, you know, the other stuff and research you're going on about. 
It was despicable. It was a horrendous place. I'm pretty sure Jonah didn't want to go there. Okay? Um, See, so he's gone off in the other direction. Can we just flick that map up, Riley? Here's a quick map just to kind of show you. Um, I just Googled this. So point A down here, bottom right. He went all the way this way to Spain is where he's heading. Instead, he should have gone up um, to Nineveh and out in the Mediterranean, the lovely Mediterranean. There's a big, big fish, a big storm. So I'm going to rip out a couple of points about some stuff that I learned about Jonah, especially in that first part. And the first one is this. How can we obey if we don't listen? I just, I just go back to the beginning. I start at the front end. I look at it with a critical eye and say, what? how do we get to this place? What am I learning? What am I seeing? God spoke to Jonah. You must presume that at some point Jonah's listening. I'm going to get up and say, you need to do what God says and God's got a plan for your life. And you're like, I can't even hear him. Let's start at the beginning. Jesus, we look at the life of Jesus as a Christian. We talk about following Jesus through stuff. What did Jesus do when it comes to listening to the Father? He had a time and a place. And he often retreated to, to either the mountain or the garden of Gethsemane to be with the Father. That was his pattern for living. If we're not setting out time to listen to God, no point me telling you to be obedient. You can disobey. You can disobey and not even know it. But I don't think that's disobedience. That's ignorance. I don't want to be an ignorant Christian. I don't know what's worse, ignorant or disobedient. I don't know, whatever. It's still bad. Um, you know, when I'm prepping for this message, I'm like, God, what's the word you're giving me? Um, you know, I'm in a transition point of life. I'm... Um, I used to be in full-time ministry. So five days a week, it was my job to be a Christian and to, and to tell other people about, about Jesus. And when you're in that lifestyle, you're surrounded by Christians. You're surrounded by the Bible. You're surrounded by worship music. You're, you're always there listening, hearing for God. That's, but now I'm a tradie, you know. I've got Harvey's shirt on. I've got boots on. I'm out there digging holes and, and in the sun and the rain and whatever. And I'm like... It's kind of good because I feel normal. <laughs> like I'm like, this is what everyone else goes through every day. And I'm like, how do normal people listen to God? And I'm like, you know, and God starts to go quiet after a while. I'm like, God, why aren't you speaking to me? He goes, well, what's the biggest point that I connect you, with you? How do I usually speak to you? I'm like, worship music. You know, some people like, there's lots of different ways God speaks to us. It could be through nature. It could be through preaching. It could be through worship. It could be through reading the Bible. It could be through other people. You know, someone comes up and speaks a word of life into you. All those things are valid, but you need to find the thing that connects you with God. For me, it's worship music. I've got to turn off hilltop hoods or T-shizzle or whatever's pumping on the radio, and I've got to put on some Jesus culture. You know, I've got to listen to some stuff that that drives me back to God. And that's when I start getting a message of clarity about what to say to you this morning. You know, so I don't care about what I've got to say. I'm like, God's like, deliver a message and encourage people. The second thing I love about, the second thing I guess that I'm challenged with about this is that mission exists because worship doesn't. All right? Jonah was sent to Nineveh. Why? 
because they were far from God. They weren't in relationship with God. Um, Jesus said, I come, to, I come to heal the sick, not the healthy. It's not the healthy that need a doctor. We're in church hearing about Jesus. If we follow Jesus, we've got a relationship with God. You know, Jesus came for us, but he's, he doesn't need to fix us anymore. We're there. The mission is to go and get other people who aren't in relationship with God. And it could be, it could be schoolmates, it could be workmates, it could be colleagues, it could be the next door neighbor, it could be your kids, it could be your parents. Any of those people that don't have a relationship with God, that's the mission. That's our target audience. That's everything we do here on a Sunday at Elevate is aimed at people who don't yet know Jesus. Often, um, often I think, well, what's the objective? What's, what's my, what am I aiming at? You know, and we started off this infinite series with looking at Adam and Eve. The objective is the garden. That's how we were designed. If we look at our design, we understand our destiny. We were designed to live in peace, in perfect relationship with God. That's how we were designed. We go on a mission to bring people back to that. That God still speaks. He still loves us. He wants a relationship with us. But there are people that, you know, we're, we're, born, we're born sinfully. There's something, I, you know, I think about that. Oh, I was created this way, you know, I was created a sinner. We were born sinfully, but we don't have to live sinfully. Exhibit A uh, in America now. It, there's, a, there's a group of people called the pedophile lobby and uh, lobbying for pedophile rights. I like that exists. Yeah, no joke. Um, and, and so they think they should be living near schools. They want to lower the age of consensual sex. Um, and they call themselves a pedophile um, lobby. And their excuse, we were created this way. I don't care how you were created. God's got something better in mind than that. Why? Okay, yep, that's where I'm going. I read some stuff. I like reading. I really like reading a lot of stuff about church and, and leadership and, and why we do what we do as Christians. And I read a, read a great article. I want, to, I want to take four four points, four ideas, marry them up because I think it brings a lot of clarity to, to why Jonah does what he does. Um, great article. He says, um, why do we, the question is, why do we as the church spend so much time and money on gatherings when Jesus told us to go? 2015, we try and gather a lot of people. Uh, Louis going to get up at the end. I'm going to ruin the ending for Louis. Bring your friends next week. We try and gather. The last thing Jesus said to a disciple, Matthew 28, was to go into all the world. Why does that not make sense? It, it's all both true. Just wait. Just wait. Why is it that the difference in the Old Testament church that whenever, whenever they gathered, they didn't gather around the preaching of the word, they gathered around the presence of God? A couple of weeks ago, we looked at the story of Moses, and Moses led the people out of captivity. 
what was the thing that guided them? If you didn't, you have to listen to the podcast or watch, the, watch something online. But the thing that led the people was a cloud by day and a fire by night. And it was literally the manifestation of the presence of God that led his people. So why in this day and age do you have to suffer listening to me when the Bible says you to be directed by the presence of God? And I've got these four thoughts. We're, we're gathering. The Bible tells us to go. And we listen to preaching a lot. But we need to be focused on the presence of God. If, there's, if we take the presence of God out of stuff, we might as well hire a pub band, get Tony Robbins up here to speak, because it's going to be a hell of a lot better. <laughs> Without the presence of God, we're just making noise and trying to get rid of that, that guilt. But if, we, if the presence of God there, everything changes. And here's something I learned about this. We go and preach so we can gather in his presence. We go, we bring people in. If everything I do leads to the presence of God being shown, then we can win. If it's just about me or trying to give you some helpful tips on navigating life and puberty, well, it's just going to be pointless. If I can point you to the fact that God's alive in your life, we're going to win. You know, there are heaps of people in this church on mission that are saying, we're going to go and, and help bring people in. Yesterday, Saturday, um, Riley, 11, 12 years old, school, last Saturday of school holidays, he's here, he's here with me, learning how to do the media stuff, and he's doing a great job this morning. Isn't he, people? Yes, thank you, Riley. He hasn't let me down yet. He hasn't let me down yet. He's a teenager on holidays. He doesn't have to give up his life to come and spend time with me, but he does. Scott Downey pretty much lives here. I think he's on his third key because he opens and line locks the door so many times a week. <laughs> Always here, on mission, giving up stuff. Jenny Green, poor lady. Someone give her a pat on the back. She looked after my three kids yesterday afternoon while I was here with Riley and Scott. You know, she didn't have to do that. My kids are fun, you know, she loves them, but she doesn't have to do that. Yeah. You know, I think sometimes we don't need a message of restoration unless we're broken. And there are people with broken lives that we need to take a, that, that message of restoration to. I think sometimes for me when I read the Bible, I look at it and I think about, well, how am I going to tell other people? And God's like... You know, are you, are you reading the Bible like a window where you judge other people? Or are you looking at the Bible like a mirror? You know, where I can see my own brokenness in the Bible and say, wow, you know, what's God telling, what's God telling me about, about my situation? God went, Jonah went and preached his message. And the people turned to God. Five words. In 40 days, you'll be destroyed. That's more than five, but in the Bible it was five. Jonah, Jonah went to the city, 40 days, and you'll be destroyed. And everyone turned. The king heard the message. The, it just spread through the city, and the king heard it, and he decreed a fast. Not a man, woman, child, or animal will eat or drink. Everyone will wear a sackcloth to symbolize that we're fasting, and we'll turn back to God. 
Everyone thinks the Stepford wives in Hollywood design those little those little things that the little chihuahuas, stupid chihuahuas wear. You know those things that keep the chihuahuas warm? No, the king of Nineveh organized that. <laughs> animals. The animals were fasting. It's dead set. God doesn't give us what we can handle. God helps us handle what we are given. People think that, oh, God's not going to, God's not going to make me sweat it out. He will, but he wants to remind you that he's there to help you out. He's there because he's the one that needs to be given the glory. If I fix it myself, who gets the glory? Me. If God helps that situation out, who gets the glory? God. So Jonah was swallowed by a big fish. And we're going to pray that prayer in a bit. But he was swallowed by a big fish. So that he was in a place where he was utterly dependent on God. You know, for me, um, my place of utter dependence is probably been three weeks ago where I got the phone call um, to say, um, hey, man, you know, we've got two weeks of work left for you. You're going to have to find a new job in two weeks. Um, you know, this I haven't been in that situation in years. So I don't think I've ever been in that situation be honest that's probably why it was so tough i've always walked from job to job just moving up and sideways and and stuff like that but to be like oh wow two weeks i've got to find a new job what happens if we don't i'm ringing the bank man i'm going to move my mortgage to interest only my car's on gumtree i'm I'm selling my fishing rods like like i know then what sobriety means now because i haven't been drinking in ages like I'm just cutting costs wherever they can. You're like it's like, what happens then? Do I have to move back to Albany to live with the folks? Like, my calling's here. Like, how am I going to navigate this? And um, and I worked hard. I was just like, I was annoying Baden. Like, Baden, check my resume. What do you reckon about this? Like, just Baden, what do you reckon about my resume? What about just nailing my resume? Get it as good as I can. I'm sending out several. Um, job applications every night you know i'm ringing people i'm talking to people and and it was just it was weird but there was this like there's a part of me that that that's like man i gotta do so much i gotta work hard and i gotta i gotta be pragmatic on the business side and the other part of me is like dude just chill i was so at peace with my situation it frustrated me I was so annoyed at myself. I'm a, I'm a logical person. I like reasons and strategies and backup plans. And I was just okay. <laughs> Not quite holiday mode because I wouldn't spend any money. <laughs> but there was God saying, I got your situation. God provides a big fish for Jonah. Sometimes when we're running from God, we are faced with the consequences of our decisions. And our prayers change from cutesy prayers to really desperate prayers. You know, I've, I've never prayed so hard in my life last two weeks. Messed me up. And then I found a job. I don't know how. I randomly spoke to a guy on site. Hey, what do you reckon about garage doors? Funny enough, Stu Roberts' brothers just got into the same thing, um, got a phone number, and 
you know, what do you know, I'm, I've found a new job. Got to go two weeks working without pay, though. That's going to be pretty tough. But I've got a new job. So thank you, Jesus. Um, I had something else I had to say here, but I can't find it now. Oh, yeah. You know, sometimes God takes us... I haven't written it down, so I've got to remember. Sometimes God takes us out of our convenience. So instead of being consumed by our convenience, we're consumed with his calling. You know, um, Jonah was cool. He was like, man, I'm just chilling where I am. And, you know, and I'm just chilling where I am doing my fencing. And it's like, things are no longer convenient. And you need to be consumed with what I tell you to do. And be consumed with my presence. I'm going to invite the worship team back up to get ready. We're going to, I've got one last question. Um, some of you don't have a relationship with God. And I'll give you that invitation now. If you want to start following Jesus back to that relationship with God, I'm just going to invite you to put your hand up and we're going to pray together. We're going to say a little bit more stuff and then we're all going to pray a prayer. We're going to pray the prayer Jonah prayed. If you want to receive Jesus, if you want a relationship with God, now's the time. I'm going to look around. If you're already following Jesus, I'm going to pray for those that don't. We need salvation not just from earthly troubles, but for heavenly treasures. It's not just wisdom. It's not just wisdom that we get. It's literally a, a, a spiritual salvation that things change and our destiny changes. Not yet, but anyway. In, uh, in chapter 2, he talks, talks a lot about he talks a lot about being under the ocean and stuff. But I want to I wanna get some context. We follow Jesus so we can experience the presence of God, not just to make things easy. Today's excuses are often tomorrow's regrets dressed in disguise. Jonah talks about the things that engulf him and snare him and trap him. And he's literally under the ocean. But what are the things that engulf you? Is it debt, lust, depression? What are the things that have trapped you? Addictions? Jonah talks about sinking to the depths of the ocean. What are some of the depths that you've sunk into that God needs to speak to you about? Do you know, I want everyone to stand just for a minute. We're going to all pray the same prayer that Jonah prayed. We're going to pray this prayer focusing on the things that Jonah focused on. You're not my preaching. We go and we gather not to focus on my preaching, but on the presence of God. Riley, can you take these down? You know, sometimes we sink into darkness so that God's glory shines. We sink in.
Sometimes God needs to get our attention. And he needs to remind us that he's always with us. That he's never left us. He needs to promise that he's, he promised, he said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. I'm always here, I'm not going anywhere. Because sometimes when things are going well and things are light, you know, Jesus talks about light and dark. When things are light, we can see everything. But it's not till we're in the, in the depths, in those places that are really hard, that that's when God's glory shines. And, and when his presence is really with us. Let's pray this prayer together. I don't care whether you're a Christian or not. This is a prayer for us. This is a prayer that, that we can declare in our lives. Riley, can you put that up? All right, let's go. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. Into the depths of the ocean, and I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and I said, O oh Lord, you've driven me from your place, yet I will not look for more. The next bit I sank beneath the waves, and the waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O oh Lord, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord, and my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. Those who worship false gods turn their backs on all God's mercies. But I will offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. I will fulfill all my vows for my salvation. 